Kentucky Hikers. It's 30% Runner Mike here with your Kentucky Hiker Project podcast for Thursday, September 15th, 2022. This episode is benefiting Kentucky Natural Lands Trust, a nonprofit organization whose mission it is to expand our public lands. And we're going to help them out with a thousand bucks so they can add another acre for the good guys. That's us. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the second day of my trip to Pine Mountain, which I finally finished up all of those hikes and added them to the website. Uh, we're going to talk about sunrises and specifically sunrise views, uh, whether you get full sun or no sun, depending on the time of year. And then in the Leave No Trace segment, we'll talk about minimizing campfire impacts because it is that time of year again, friends, uh, when things are dry and fires can happen pretty quickly. So just a quick recap of that second day on Pine Mountain. Um, I started the day at Kingdom Come State Park where I camped overnight. And then uh, they've got a small little campground there, um, probably eight, nine different campsites. Uh, they're tucked away, you know, about mid-level on the mountain. And, um, and it's actually really nice. There was no one there. And so it was a fantastic night of camping. Uh, no weird uh, sounds, no snoring, nothing else. It was fantastic. Just me in the woods. Um, anyway, so I started out at Bullock Overlook, which is probably the most popular overlook at the state park there. And so I started there in the morning uh, just to see, you know, kind of what the view angle looked like. And there's a big tree there, um, you know, when you look off to the right, which is where the sun would be rising. And so I very quickly just kind of realized this was not going to be the best spot for sunrise. And so I went out and I caught a couple other different overlooks. So 12 o'clock overlook is another one. And it's actually my favorite um, inside of the park out of the main overlooks in the heart of the park. And so I actually caught sunrise there. And what was nice about this is that um, just north of where, north and east of where I was, um, there was a fog fall, uh, kind of, you can think of it kind of like a waterfall, but it's just fog that streams over the top of the mountain. And, uh, and so that kind of was between me and the sun when sunrise happened. And so it created a really wonderful shot. Uh, it really softens up the sunlight and it makes for a wonderful uh, view. And so I caught sunrise there, but then after that, I uh, ran up j the road just a little bit to uh, Creech Overlook and caught a second sunrise there. And so that really has to do with just the elevation changes of different um, you know, ridges coming off the mountain and that kind of stuff. And so at Creech Overlook, if you look between the two different photos on the website, you'll see that one, you know, the first one at 12 o'clock overlook, it's uh, nice and, you know, has kind of this wonderful softness to it. And then at Creech Overlook, you have a more harsh sun uh, coming in with, you know, all the sun uh, rays and that kind of stuff filling up the camera lens. And so that was a nice way to start the day um, out on Pine Mountain. And it was all inside of uh, Kingdom Come State Park. And so after that, uh, I went through and um, just decided, all right, let's uh, check out a couple of these other little spots. And so I went out to the gazebo um, after some of the fog had burned off and then also to uh, Log Rock. Um, and so uh, I actually went out to Log Rock three different times that morning, uh, just waiting for the sun to kind of break through the fog. And so Log Rock is actually one of my favorite arches in the eastern part of Kentucky. Uh, it's a long, slender arch. Um, you know, you can walk on top of it. You can, uh, it has a nice view from below. And then just beyond the arch itself, there is a nice uh, viewing area. There's a really long slab of exposed rock there. It's sort of like Knobby Rock if you've ever been out that way. 
uh, in Blanton Forest, but um, you know, same kind of idea. And so Pine Mountain has a lot of these little stretches of uh, rock slabs where you have nice views thanks to all of the rock and then no trees in the way. And so that view is on the, uh, on the other side of the mountain from where I took in sunrise. And so on a no fog morning, that's actually the place to be for sunrise um, is just past Log Rock there. Um, or at the gazebo, um, which is you know right near the park entrance. And so that's a nice little place as well. And, and so Log Rock, it's just a quick little tenth of a mile out and back. Um, the gazebo is just a nice little walkout. And really all the overlooks uh, at the park are pretty short. Um, there's only a couple of them that you have to hike to. So Raven Rock, for example, is one of them that you have to hike into. But uh, Kingdom Come is the ideal place if you just wanna go someplace. Um, get some big views and not do a whole lot of hiking um, in terms of walking and strain. So in the morning hours um, after sunrise, I did go to I did do a short little overlooks uh, loop, and so this is actually better as an out and back. I did it as a loop just so I could get to some other things that I had going on later in the day. Um, and so this is uh, let's see on that one. You start out at what I call Lone Tree Overlook, and you'll know why when you get there, because there's just one big tree center cut at the overlook. And, um, and so I started there, which is just a little bit outside of the official park boundary. Um, it's a total of two miles round trip, 396 uh, feet of elevation, which I just noticed that I have a typo here. I put 396 miles of elevation gain, so obviously that's wrong. Um, but what is nice that you've got a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different overlooks on this one. And so each one, they have similar view angles, but the view from each one is a little bit different. And so I do think it's nice to see all of these. Um, and so I did this as a loop. If you do it as an out and back, what is nice in the morning, especially a foggy morning, is that you can uh, watch the fog as it begins to lift and break apart. And so it creates very different views um, compared to when you start. And what's neat about this post, if you look at this uh, on the website, I titled it um, Lone Tree to Pitch Ridge Overlooks Loop on Little Shepherd Trail. Um, if you take a look at the overlooks and the views, uh, you'll notice you know dense fog and all that stuff that kind of created this look of having uh, some of the knobs further uh, north and west of Pine Mountain uh, sticking up looking like islands in the clouds, which was pretty cool. But then by the end of it, the last picture I believe on this uh, post, you can see where the fog is uh, breaking apart and you can see a lot more uh, of the landscape around you. And so that's actually pretty neat. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then um, a, definitely a worthwhile hike. And of course the purpose of that trip was to document some of these shorter hikes um, that you can do instead of having to backpack, um, you know, the Pine Mountain State Scenic Trail, which, you know, it's 55 miles long. Little Shepherd Trail, the section I was on was uh, 13 miles out and back. And so, or for, just for the out, 26 miles out and back. And so um, that was a great way to spend the morning. In between that, I did take a break, went to Lamp House Coffee, got some breakfast and some coffee, which was great in uh, Lynch, uh, Kentucky, which I know I've mentioned that before, but if you have not added that to your trip plan, uh, definitely make that a stop on the way. It's a fascinating little town with a lot of uh, history. And then the coffee shop is actually is wonderful. Really enjoyed it. Uh, very clean, super friendly service. Uh, biscuits and gravy were fantastic. So after lunch, I headed north uh, on Pine Mountain. And so I was driving up the Virginia side of things. And then I stopped in on US 23. They have a developed roadside overlook. It's Combs Overlook. And that actually um, has a nice view over the top of Jenkins, Kentucky. And then from there, I believe uh, I made a note of a nice uh, line of rock coming down. 
Uh, I'm not sure if it's private property or if it's part of the uh, national forest or, or whatever it may be, um, but I believe from other people who have uh, chimed in and sent messages and comments, uh, it is something that you can get out to. Um, and I believe that might even be Raven's Rock over the top of Jenkins, Kentucky. So um, that was a nice stop. And then after that, I did, of course, the Count's Cabin of Big Toe Rock uh, out and back, which I've already covered, and then finished up the day out at um, Brakes Interstate Park at Lover's Leap uh, before heading home. So that was a really nice series of hikes. And if you just, you know, it's a, there were really two hikes. One was two miles. The other one was four plus. You know, so you can put in a six-mile day, you know, catch about a dozen different overlooks uh, on Pine Mountain, you know, uh, check out a really nice arch along the way. And so it's, uh, it was just a really nice day. And then, uh, you know, I was still able to get back at a reasonable hour. I think I got home around 10 or 11 o'clock at night, which isn't too bad. So that, those were the hikes, and you can see those. Those are all linked in the uh, podcast show notes. You can also go to the website and scroll down. Uh, so those are all been added. Uh, I still have some sunset stuff uh, from the day before that I haven't put up there yet. Um, and then another overlooks hike um, that leads from a different trailhead, a little bit larger trailhead um, at Leopold Gap. So you can look for those coming up in the future. Um, as far as the skills segment today, I do want to talk a little bit more about sunset, sunrise um, and really sunset as well, but sunrise in particular. Um, the sunrises that I caught were absolutely spectacular, and part of that is just knowing where to be uh, on the mountain based on the different conditions uh, that are out there. So um, as I'm recording this here on Thursday morning, we had a really nice fog morning uh, here in northern Kentucky. Um, whenever you have clear skies and still air, um, typically you'll find a little bit more fog. And so those same conditions were the prevailing conditions when I was out at Kingdom Come uh, last month. And so it created some wonderful fog. The thing with sunrise, though, is that um, you have to be aware of what time of year it is to understand where the sun is going to come up. So I was there toward the end of summer, um, you know, just a couple of weeks before the end of summer. And so uh, the summer solstice is usually around June 21st, 22nd. And so at that point in time, that's the best time of year to be out on Pine Mountain to catch sunrise. Just about any of the overlooks that you go to will have a really nice full sun view coming up. Um, as I pointed out earlier, the difference between Creech Overlook and, um, you know, 12 o'clock overlook, you know, 12 o'clock had the, had the fog fall coming down. And so that is, to me, the absolute uh, perfect spot uh, for sunrise on Pine Mountain. But regardless of where you are, when you're trying to catch sunrise, just know that uh, the sun rises on a more northerly track uh, during the summer months. And so when you're looking, uh, if you have a compass and you're, uh, you, know, you just look at different views or if you're doing this in preparation for maybe future uh, sunrise hikes, you know, the sun actually rises a little bit north of east uh, when, you know, at the, you know, at the uh, apex at summer solstice, summer solstice, if I can talk right. Anyway, and so, and then the winter solstice it actually rises quite a bit to the south. And so what's interesting is on Pine Mountain in particular, this, the, the mountain runs from southwest to northeast. And so over the winter months, you don't really get much of a uh, sunrise view there whatsoever unless you are on an overlook uh, facing east and south. And so that, uh, that side of the mountain, there are actually quite a, f 
quite a bit fewer um, overlooks heading, facing in that direction. And so Pine Mountain is largely a great sunset spot um, for most of the year, except uh, nearest the winter solstice when it gets, uh, you know, when the sun is a little bit too far south uh, to capture. So, you know, if you're heading out to Pine Mountain this fall, I would tell you that um, try to get to a, an east or south facing, um, you know, overlook. Uh, there are a number of them. There's not as many as those facing west and north. Um, but sunsets there, especially in the fall, are absolutely superb. And so if you get a chance to get out to Pine Mountain this fall, um, definitely uh, bank on doing a sunset trip, you know, heading out to some of these overlooks. A lot of them you can just drive up to and then just have a short little walk, maybe a dozen paces, three dozen paces, something short like that. Um, but sunrises in particular are my favorite uh, scene in all of nature, and it's mainly because you do get the morning fog, uh, which is very playful, and it's always actually very interesting. If you go out when it's still dark, uh, well before first light, you'll notice that the fog is pretty sleepy um, down in the valleys. And then as soon as light starts to break, and especially right at sunset, you'll notice the fog uh, liven up quite a bit. I never really saw something more um, pronounced as when I was at breaks, catching sunrise a couple of different days there, and you can just see the fog really get active uh, running over the top of the Russell Fork River there. So um, pretty neat, but you know, when it comes to um, sunrise, sunset, just know that you gotta plan a, plan a little bit around where the sun is gonna be based on the time of year that you're visiting. Um, there are certain places, like for instance, the pictures that I took, if you if you came to those spots you know let's say a month later you're not really going to see the sun um, that said it is kind of fun to watch uh, and this is great if you have to, if you want to uh, do it recorded time lapse on your phone or your camera i do love um, you know setting the camera away from uh, the sun and just watching the sun light up the background so it's actually really really cool that way and of course one of my favorite spots for that is in red river gorge and so what's nice is if you're looking out um, to Hanson's Point and then looking over the top of Red River into Pincham Tight, um, you can kind of see, um, you know, the cliff faces light up, you know, get that really nice red hue going. And then you also have the fog uh, rolling around underneath, which is just a really wonderful scene. So, you know, sunset, sunrise, doesn't really matter. You just have to be able to understand where the sun is going to be based on the time of year. And so that's it for as far as the skills segment goes. With the Leave No Trace, we're gonna talk about campfire impacts because it is that time of year. And so uh, August, September are typically the driest months. And so if you go from, uh, let's say, middle to late uh, you know, August going into October, the first uh, week or so, those are the driest time periods in Kentucky. And so during this time, um, this is usually when we see our, uh, the greatest likelihood of having a fire ban inside of uh, Daniel Boone National Forest. You may even see some different municipalities say, you know, no burning at this point. Um, you know, and so uh, when it comes to campfires, I typically cold camp. Um, I usually do not start a campfire unless I am with other people and it's going to be a big social thing if it's just me. Uh, I'll skip the fire and, you know, I'll cook dinner or I'll go out to dinner or whatever it may be. Um, you know, so a lot of times my dinner is going to be like ramen noodles and spam. So that's what I like to do when I'm out there kind of in the middle of nowhere where I can't get like a nice restaurant dinner uh, that's made locally. So anyway, um, this time of year, you know, what I would say is the best bet is to always, you know, build a fire like, you know, leave no trace. Uh, the Leave No Trace Center, they always say build a mound fire, you know, scoop up some dirt, build a mound, make it small, all these things. And the reality is that people just don't do that. 
Um, maybe if you're out out west or something like that, but in Kentucky, people typically do not build mound fires. Um, they are safer. There is a reason that um, that technique is out there, uh, but the reality is we're just you know most people aren't going to do it. So what I would tell you is that when you're camping um, in the dry season, I would uh, traditionally just stay at more developed areas that have a fire ring and. Uh, if there is a burn, you know, fire ban inside of the national forest, you can stay at a private campground uh, where there is no such ban uh, as long as they're outside of the forest boundaries. And so we've done that. And uh, in prior years, when there's been a burn ban uh, in effect, uh, we've stayed at private campgrounds just so we can have a campfire that's contained and safe and that kind of thing. Um, if you're out backpacking, and you know, especially for the folks that are out there, going to be in Red River Gorge, uh, out on ridge tops and that kind of stuff. I generally am not a fan of having fires up on the ridges uh, in exposed areas where there's no tree cover and there's no uh, windbreak whatsoever um, because you never know when something's going to blow in and then, you know, next thing you know, you've, you've sparked a forest fire. And of course, if you want to see the remnants of a forest fire, you can uh, go to a couple of different spots in Red River Gorge. If you ever go out Oxier Ridge and then uh, look to the next ridge over to the east, what you'll find is there's a whole lot of uh, burn scars. That, that was from, oh gosh... 20, 30, about 30 years ago, maybe now. So 25, 30 years ago. And that, that section of the forest is still recovering. Um, if you go out to Skybridge, you know, to the arch there, um, you'll see that there's plenty of uh, burn scars and that kind of stuff. And that was just from a fire a couple of years, two or three years ago. So, you know, fires do happen uh, in Kentucky. It's not just, uh, you know, a Western phenomenon. Um, they do happen from time to time, and it does use a lot of Forest Service resources. And so, um, the better you are at containing your fire, the better off everybody else is. Um, the best uh, situation when it comes to having a fire in the backcountry is to be close to a water source so that you can douse the fire properly. The fact is that most backpackers are not going to carry in sufficient water, uh, not only to stay hydrated, to rehydrate their meals, um, but then also to, put up, to properly put out a fire. Um, you know, a campfire, no matter how small it is, uh, it takes actually quite a bit of water to put out a fire properly. When you put it out, it should be cold to the touch. And so uh, ideally you would have a slurry that you would make. And so you would just pour in enough water into the, over the hot coals and that kind of thing, and just stir it around with a stick until it just kind of turns into like a stew. And so, um, you know, camping next to a water source makes that possible. If you're camping up on the ridges, there is no water source and the odds are you're not carrying enough water to put it out properly uh, to begin with. And so the other part is in the backcountry, uh, fire rings, if there are any, are going to be made with, um, you know, stones uh, that other uh, hikers have put together. And so it's a more primitive fire ring. It's typically not as high. It doesn't have as much, um, you know, wind resistance and that kind of stuff. So, you know, for me, I just skip the fire if I'm going to be out on the ridges. I'd rather just kind of look, especially if I'm on an exposed ridge line uh, with no tree cover, I'd rather be looking at the stars than staring at a fire. So, um, but, you know, each person has their own uh, gig. If you are going to do um, any backpacking, uh, please just, uh, you know, camp near a water source uh, if you're going to have a fire or just skip the fire altogether. Cold camping is actually pretty cool. Um, it makes for an interesting night and there's nothing wrong with being in a, having a little more darkness around you. So that's the leave no trace segment. Uh, it is fire season. So just be careful out there. Um, and then also check the Daniel Boone national forest. You can search, uh, you can check their website, just go, uh, search DBNF 
alerts, and then that's where they will post any type of a fire ban um, whenever that needs to come up. So things are pretty crispy out there already. It's been dry for several days now. It's going to continue to be dry for the next several days. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see a fire ban come up here before too long. So anyway, uh, just quick fundraising update. The total donated to Kentucky Natural Lands Trust now stands at a big old uh, 240 bucks or 22% to goal. So slowly and steadily, we are getting there. Um, and then I'll have some real advertisers coming up here shortly. Um, but this has been the Kentucky Hiker Project podcast. And if, you're, if you'd like to sponsor an episode, submit an ad, or give a shout out to one of your fellow hikers, go to the podcast page at kentuckyhiker.org slash podcast and hit the sponsor an episode link. I can write the ad copy or you can do it yourself. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy your next hike.